Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. Uh, with, of course, my good buddy, Awesome Ward. Uh, his parents know him as Austin. I know him as Awesome. Awesome, <laughs> welcome once again to the Tim May Podcast. Uh, thank you, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's a pleasure to uh, actually talk about a game that happened. Yeah, it is. And it's also a pleasure to talk about the game, which might happen. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's very early in the week. You know, we're recording this on a on a Monday at midday, and we have no idea what's coming down the road uh, obviously with Michigan having to skip its game last week because of COVID-19 concerns, you know, uh, and it's funny because there was a time way, way many months ago when you said, if I never had to say COVID-19 again, I'd be happy or coronavirus. And that's all we're talking about anymore. Uh, it has such an impact right now on the season. Uh, but, uh, but then past that, you know, we, as we tape this, we, you know, the game has not been canceled yet. So we'll kind of preview that a little bit, but, uh, I think it behooves us also to look back to see how Ohio State handled its sudden outbreak on its team and got its act together enough in a week, in a week and a half's time, to get back on the field without its head coach, Ryan Day, without three other coaches, including Greg Madison, uh, Matt Barnes, and uh, quarterback's coach, Corey Dennis, and without, what, 17 players. We don't know, as, as Ohio State is want to do, want to do they won't give you specifics on whether players were missing because of COVID-19 or because they stubbed their toe, you know, but we or, all know who. Or disciplinary yeah. matters. And that's what, like, you know, you and I both talked about that last year. Like, it could make it unfair to somebody to be lumped all in in that category. Um, now, it's – they've chosen what they're going to do this year. Yeah. We'll deal with it. But it, it does – you know, I wouldn't want to be – if I was just hurt with a sprained ankle uh, – you know, lumped yeah. in with that category or that somebody might have thought I'd been suspended. I, I, I get it. They're, they made their choice, but it is a little bit frustrating. Yeah, but, you know, it, exactly. But, you know, when the interesting, the interesting comment, we'll get, we'll get the review of the game here in a minute. I'm, I've got my good friend, John Bacon, who chronicles Michigan football like no other. Uh, and he's going to come on. We're going to talk about a preview of the game, of the game as it's scheduled right now and uh, the impact uh, it could have on Jim Harbaugh's career, also Michigan football for this season, and whether or not the Jim Harbaugh era at Michigan could be coming to an end. Uh, you know, we'll touch on all those bases. But to, to, just real quick, going back to the game on Saturday, the interesting thing that was said after that game by Ryan Day was, you know, he, he'll be, he's supposed to be back on Monday of this week. Uh, I think his coaches – are all supposed to be back Monday or Tuesday, possibly as late as Wednesday, depending on when they were uh, tested positive for the COVID-19. But he also indicated he might – he'd like to see, hopefully, some of the players get back. So it made you kind of like stop and wonder whether some of those guys were missing. Three starters on the offensive line, for example, uh, a starting linebacker in Tough Borland, and, and obviously Josh Proctor, uh, big key part of the Ohio State defense. Uh, whether some of those guys were missing because they had tested positive or because they were in the contact tracing situation where they'd been exposed to someone who tested positive. So 
we're, those those answers will come about because we know the Big Ten has that 21-day uh, quarantine for one of another term or 21-day must-sit-out uh, clause in its uh, COVID-19 battle. And uh, right now, I don't have any fresh information on who may or may not be back among the players for this week. Yeah, and that's, um, again, part of the difficulty in sorting through this is you would you could make an assumption that a tight if a one position group uh, had a bout of this that it was either that it all went through that or you held people out for contact tracing purposes. Uh, again, the way that we have handled this is that you know, until it's until it's confirmed, there's there's really no point in that sort of speculation. But you know, I can understand yeah. why that exists, uh, and I think when you parse what Ryan Day said. Uh, it's two things. Either the contact tracing was applying to several of those players, or he has some optimism that the Big Ten will adjust to the CDC requirements for quarantine and isolation, which is now down to seven days um, for players with a positive test. Uh, I don't have any faith personally that the Big Ten will make the right decision because they've failed so repeatedly since August with the way that they've handled all of this. But uh, if that was the, were the case, you'd take the seven, you'd still have the, you know, seven day reacclimatization period, whatever they call it, um, health yeah. screening and heart screening. Um, you know, that could be an amount of people that were part of the first wave that could potentially be back. Now that would be asking a whole lot. Um, but there are two paths there where some players could return. Yeah. I, I would think if the big 10 was going to relax that 21 day rule, they would have done so by now. Yeah, I mean, you know big, what I mean? The big 12 did it the, the next day. You're right. You're exactly right. You're right. Hey, hey, this is definitely the year where you don't, where you never say never, you know, yeah. and never, and never say never revisit, you know, because revisit, uh, that's the only thing that you can do anymore uh, in this COVID-19 era is revisit uh, online because obviously you can't visit people who have it. That's a, that's a total different uh, analogy I was going to go into there. You know, my brain works in mysterious ways. It goes 12 different directions all at the same time, kind of hand grenade style. But, uh, you know, Let's 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 get to my little interview with uh, John Bacon here, and we'll come back and we'll just kind of chop up, um, you know, the impact of last week's game. Not the least of which, and I wrote about this for uh, for Letterman Row. You know, kind of, you don't want this milestone to be lost in the dust of a of a strange year of Larry Johnson as the acting head coach, becoming the first acting head coach or head coach in Ohio State football history to uh, not only lead the team, have that have that. Uh, uh, honor bestowed on him, but also to get a win. Uh, and like I point out in the story, he could have been actually been two and zero. You know, if they'd gotten to go to Illinois yeah. <laughs> way back when. And but uh, you know, don't want to leave that milestone uh, un, un, uh, undiscussed because it's uh, quite quite an achievement, I think, in this strange year where racial unrest uh, rose its ugly head uh, very dramatically again in this country, and just uh, just the impact I think that has. And we all know Larry Johnson is one of the great coaches we've ever been around, right? Absolutely. One of the all-time best uh, to deal with from a media perspective, from the players that um, we've got to cover who will all vouch for and, and fight and die for any time for Larry Johnson. Uh, certainly the ones who uh, worked with us with Letterman Row. Like, I'll never you know, forget yeah. some of the stories that you know, Jalen Holmes and Sam Hubbard and these guys have, t have talked about you know, from working with Larry Johnson. And it's uh, any day around him, you know, Puts a smile on your face. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's get let's get to my interview with John Bacon, man. One of my favorite people, and I'll I'll say that about three times during the interview because he and I 
we've had a rapport since the first time we ever we ever met, and uh, he's just a just a great individual, a great author. Uh, uh, right on down the line, just put great in front of it, but I always appreciate it when a guy like of that magnitude comes on the, the Tim May podcast. And I've had a few of that magnitude, but he's definitely up there. We'll be and we'll be back, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, to chop up what's coming for Ohio State. And as promised, ladies and gentlemen, what's that uh, aroma you smell here? That's John U. Bacon. Uh, John U. Bacon, welcome back to the uh, Tim May podcast. Always a pleasure, Mr. May. I always like to throw that U in there, you know what I mean? Because I can't say M this week. I mean, actually, I can say M all I want. But uh, it's always a pleasure having John Bacon on, ladies and gentlemen, one of the, one of the great historians in, uh, in the Big Ten, uh, much less of Michigan football. And that's his, that's his uh, what do you want to call it, specialty. And once again, it's the game week. It's been a cross-your-fingers kind of situation for that. But, uh, uh, and we'll see how it goes as the week progresses, right, John? But uh, – uh, just what's your take, I mean, on, on the way Michigan has responded to this COVID-19 challenge? Well, on the grand scale, they've done pretty well. They had some of the lowest rates in the fall, and they had them on almost complete lockdown. They, uh, discipline was quite good. But as the numbers spike around the state of Michigan, they've spiked uh, in Ann Arbor as well, of course. And guess what? These guys interact with people coming back for Thanksgiving, and that's, that's where Michigan is. I yeah, well, sincerely doubt, and Kirk Herbstreit walked it back, I realize, and fair enough. Um, uh, Michigan's got all kinds of problems this year. Name it: offense, defense, tackling, blocking. Tim, come to mind as things they don't they don't do very well. I'd be shocked, <laughs> however, without any real proof either way. I'd be shocked if, in any way, Jim Harbaugh is ducking a contest. That's not his style. Oh, so. absolutely, I agree with you on that. I mean, I agree. I mean, that that, that never crossed my mind. But you know, the funny thing was. Uh, when Kirk said that, he was kind of like channeling what other people were saying, you know, the, those last couple of days leading up to that. And, uh, you know, how you know how fans are, man. They like to get a, they get, like to get a snowball rolling downhill and then sit back and watch it run run over people. But uh, also, I that, Tim, you, you yeah. think about it. Well, if Michigan's going to be a, a historic 30-point underdog, and, Tim, I think that's the most ever, honestly. Yeah. I mean, if, if 08 and 09 didn't do it, then what do you got? I mean – there's no way in hell the teams from Bo's era were ever 30-point underdogs. So, very hard yeah. to imagine. When you are a 30-point underdog and it seems like your job may or may not be in the balance, the temptation, I'm sure, to sandbag this game would be overwhelming. And if you can poke the Buckeyes in the process and keep them out of the playoffs, that much sweeter in some ways. But, again, just from my lifelong history with Harbaugh, not a style. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I, I agree with that 100%. And you're right. I mean, the setup is, you know, the setup is obvious to anybody uh, from the standpoint of what this could mean to Michigan if, in fact, it could figure out a way to pull out a victory on Saturday. I mean, uh, uh, talk about talk about great upsets. That would be it in the game, right? I mean, uh, you know, I don't even know I don't even know where it would come. I mean, the Ohio State, the way it rallied uh, for Earl Bruce back in 1987, but it wasn't this huge of an underdog. Uh, and, you know, obviously, Earl Bruce had already been fired. You know, they're – all kinds of rumors going around, but I mean, yes, I mean, this would be the lone feather in the cap for the 2020 season, right? And losing the game barely matters, frankly. I mean, they're expected to lose, obviously. Uh, yeah. But also keep in mind, too, man, it, it would be horrible for the Big Ten to not have Ohio State represent the Big Ten going forward. Indiana, Tom Allen, God bless him. He will probably be the coach of the year in the Big Ten, should be. Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, fantastic job there, too. But those programs – are at least two notches below the Buckeyes. That's quite obvious. Yeah. Ohio State, for, for the 20th straight year, is basically the Big Ten's only chance 
and taking on the Alabamas and the Clemsons. Yeah. You, you know, you, you're, you're about as objective as it gets, but at your core, at your heart, there's an M on, the, on your, there's, a, there's an M tattooed on your heart, or at least a sack around your heart. How tough has this been to watch this this year, uh, John? The hard part, I think, for Michigan fans, and I try to be as objective as I can be, um, is not just the losses. It's the dispiriting performance. Like, the players don't feel like they, they run out and touch the banner like they're in gym class. It's... There's no passion there. Granted, there are no, not 100,000 people there either, of course. There are maybe 100. So that makes it a little bit harder. But other teams are the same thing. When they get outplayed, outworked, outcoached at home against Michigan State, uh, that's yeah. a hard pill to swallow for Michigan fans. It's the, frankly, the apathy soaking in. That's been, I think, the hardest thing for Michigan fans to accept. Uh, they've had tough years before, a lot the last 20 years, but not like this. Yeah. Uh does it all fall? Does it all fall at the feet of Jim Harbaugh? I'm, I'm, I think most of it is. It's a sixth year at the helm. These are the players he's recruited. Uh, this is the coaching staff he's put together. Uh, this is the plan he's come up with. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I guess the question is, is he at the end of the rope, or uh, well, what's your what's your take? By the way, great questions. I'm finally writing about this. I've written this piece like four times over the last month and I keep on revising it because yeah. uh, uh, circumstances on the ground, as they say in the military are constantly changing. This has been the head scratchiness of all seasons around here. Um, that, okay. It's 2016 when he, Jim throws a clipboard down at the horseshoe and he gets a 15 yard penalty for it. After that, he told me he's no, he's got to lay out the referees. It's the Harbaugh rule after all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It gets your attention, got him. Uh, but the question is, has that lack of passion, you know, spread to other parts of his job? Not clear. He's never had a job for six years before. Um, coaching job. It's always been three or four yeah. years. San Diego, three. Stanford, four. The 49ers, four. Can he go the marathon? Not clear. Um, what is Michigan going to do about it? That's not clear. I'm hearing, you know, Jim might head, head to the NFL, and I'm hearing they're talking about an extension. So right now, no matter what the fans may want, uh, it is – I've got a bunch of crappy partial answers for you, Tim. The whole thing's a head scratcher. And the hardest yeah. thing for Michigan to figure out is what do you do next? If you, his contract is up. If you, if you're going to re-up him, it's got to be three, four, five years uh, for recruiting to even work. Obviously it's already uh, suffering because of this. Uh, and then you got to get the assistant coaches for the same thing. Yeah. So you got to put in a bunch of chips for three or four more years, you know, 20 million a year, basically. Uh, for the staff and for Harbaugh uh, for three or four years, or you got to pull the plug on the all-time Michigan man. Those are tough choices. Yeah, those, those, are, those are tough choices. But it just shows you, you know, just because you've got – just because you're a Michigan man doesn't mean you're the right man for the job. You know, I mean, it's – and it really, you know, it comes down to 0-5 against your rival. You know, that's not the only way you judge it. But that is definitely, I think uh, – uh, I don't know, a barometer, right? A, a, a barometer of where you've gotten, right? Well, ask John Cooper. John Cooper, yeah. I've always felt he gets a bad rap. I mean, he was a hell of a coach. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He should be. He had great teams, almost always top five. And in fairness to him, he was going against Bo Schembechler, Woodcar, and Gary Muller. Two of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. And if Muller kept on coaching, he probably would be. He was not going against Pikers. He often was losing to Michigan teams that were basically asleep who woke up 
on November 23rd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> football. Um, so Cooper gets a bad rap for that, but it's the Michigan game, man. And likewise for Harbaugh, it's not the only bar- barometer, but what happens in Columbus happens in, happens in Ann Arbor. It is the game. And if he was 6-0 and against Michigan State, which he is not, he's 3-3, three and three, uh, that wouldn't save you. It's, it's the Ohio State game, clearly. And they've been competitive in that game exactly once, really, and that's 2016. Uh, so that gets old for Ann Arborites. Part of that is not Jim's fault. I mean, Hoke and Rich Rod and Lloyd Carr preceded him, and among them they have two wins in this century. In this century, Tim, as you know, is no longer young. Yeah. <laughs> that's a yeah. horrible one. Uh, so it's yeah. not Jim's fault, but it's his, but it's his problem um, that, you know, you're own 5 and now the, the patience is, is, is gone up here. All right. Uh, last question. What would it take? What, what, what does Michigan need to summon that it hasn't summoned uh, consistently yet this season to get the job done in Columbus on Saturday? They need to pull about five rabbits out of five hats. That's what they need to do. Because <laughs> even if I were to tell you if they're to fix their basic problems, which is blocking, tackling, play calling, you know, fundamental defense, defensive the game of football. Yeah. yeah. Football, in other words. Even if they're there to play their very best game, if Ohio State plays anything close to the best game, it still won't be close. The teams are just that far apart now. They weren't two or three years ago. Um, I felt in 2018, if Michigan just played their game, for example, down to the horseshoe, that should be enough. Uh, and it wasn't. Obviously, they didn't play their game. Uh, this time, it would take – look at 95 with the number one team coming in, of course, uh, John Cooper's team. 87, as you mentioned, Earl Bruce. It's that time something. So this would go down. If Michigan somehow, A, were to play the game, we're not clear about that, and B, were to win it, it would have to be the greatest upset in the history of Michigan football. Yeah. Wow. The game, man. It never fails to, dis- it never fails to uh, intrigue you one way or the other is the way I look at it. And, uh, and John Bacon, noted author, uh, noted man about town, et cetera. I appreciate you joining the Tim May podcast again, my man. Tim, it's always a pleasure despite your efforts. ladies and gentlemen we'll be back in a moment that's john bacon always appreciate having a little bacon with my eggs in the morning how about you uh how about you awesome you can't have any breakfast without some bacon there you go or at least the aroma of bacon cooking in the back and then you order your oatmeal right but uh, i digress Uh, look like i've been eating a lot of oatmeal recently i'm afraid i keep this to a 15 second sound bite your opinion will jim harbaugh be the head coach at Michigan in 2021? No. Well, that's, that was 15 milliseconds. Appreciate it. I, I just I, – I, I don't understand how they could continue to employ him if they have any designs of being competitive in the national landscape or winning a Big Ten title again. This, they've reached their peak with him, and clearly the players are, are not – they're tuning him out. They're not fighting for him. The energy that they've played with has been absolutely pathetic. Um, in most of these games this year, that tells you where their mindset is. And, and I just – that's happened everywhere he's been. You know, you look at the, the end of the 49ers tenure, um, you yeah. know, this, this, is, this is the way that it, everyone could have predicted it was going to end for, for him. I see Michigan. what you did there. I see what you did there. You gave me that terse, succinct answer, and then you went off. Then I got and a then, now, But you've taken me, man. You've taken me with you. Because isn't it amazing? With Urban Meyer reportedly turning down or just saying I'm I'm no longer interested in the Texas job, 
how Texas is now going, well, okay, well, maybe we'll just stick with Tom Herman. Uh, $25 million or whatever it was going to take to get that buyout, they were willing to do it for uh, if they could get uh, Urban Meyer, but to get Matt Campbell or James Franklin was even in, you know, has been in the discussion and several other guys, maybe it's not worth it. They wait a year. Yeah. But we're talking about two of the blue blood programs, you know, in the country, or at least used to be, uh, you know, uh, they're kind of at the same juncture, aren't they, in in, in some respect? And and really – Wait a minute, with coaches that maybe they don't want anymore that they thought were going to be their savior? Yeah, and this this is the – it's a bizarre situation for them, and uh, it's even more uncomfortable for them because Texas was clearly uh, desperate. I was told they were willing to go all the way up to $12 million a year to get Urban out of retirement. And yes. you even see, like, Michigan, Michigan message boards and Twitter, you know, replies about them wanting Urban to switch sides in the rivalry, which is never going to happen because then they'd have to rename the restaurant where we do weekend kickoff on Thursday. No, no, no. <laughs> they would have to literally tear it down. But go ahead. <laughs> like, it, you know, you and I know him uh, quite well from our time over the last decade or so. Yeah. I never bought into the Texas situation. Obviously, Michigan is a completely different matter. He's never going to coach there. But he is so content. Uh, with his lifestyle right now. And I know that this was about Michigan and Texas, but I just, I never bought it in the first place that urban is going to come save any of these other blue, blue, blue bloods that that time is over. So I don't know, like Texas has it really easy. Matt Campbell just beat Tom Herman a couple weeks ago. He's built a, a, he knows how to recruit in the big 12. He knows how to win in the big 12 without the resources of a Texas for them. It's easy. If, if you're done with Tom Herman, make the move and spoiler alert, Matt Campbell could do the exact same thing at Michigan with his own film familiarity with that yes. region. Um, it, it's if you want to make the move, you don't have to be content with what Jim Harbaugh and Tom Herman have done. For for Michigan, like I think it's clear that parting the ways is best. For Texas, I think there may be some element where you know they've gone too far down the road publicly to really salvage that relationship, but they had no yeah. need to because he's really Tom Herman has not you know gotten all the way back to that national level that they talk about, but he's rebuilt that program into a respectable team that could still have some momentum that they undermined themselves in September when they talked about firing him. And that's why Quinn Ewers is now an Ohio state commit. They did that yes. to themselves. And I think that's why they'll have a hard time attracting any top flight uh, coach because that administration has proven to be an absolute mess. Yeah. If, if they, if they leave it up to winter else next year, they, they have really killed themselves recruiting. I mean, they have killed themselves. We all know that. Number two, you know, I, I think urban, I think urban entertained, you know, where they got to a formal offer, you know, that's a, that's a plausible deniability type former off our offer might've been what we, what we heard about. But I really think some of it was, you know, urban did not appreciate, uh, I think, Maybe the maybe the background that was involved in the uh, the whole Brett McMurphy, uh, 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 Zach Smith it's, uh, situation that a lot of people think that T Tom Herman and possibly his wife may may have instigated or been part of. And I, you know, I think Urban, you know, you and I, you and I, our feelings for Urban Meyer are well known. You know, I really like the guy for all yeah. kinds of reasons, but I wouldn't put it past and for at least entertaining it just for Tom Herman to have a little twisting in the wind kind of moment. Uh, and uh, whether that was part of it, who knows. But it was really ironic to me that uh, 
the guy who helped elevate Tom Herman to the situation he was in. Now they were talking about trying to get that guy to replace Tom Herman. Uh, you know, the irony of that is lost on no one, right? Well, I mean, look at all the other hires that Texas has made that have come from yeah. the Ohio State program. Like, they did everything except get the guy to, you know, come fully install his program there. And, I, like, here's the other part of this is even from the Texas side, which you said we, we know Urban so well, you know, he's not uh, 2012 Urban Meyer anymore. Um, and so it, it, that made it even weirder to me, you know, this started in late September, if we're going to be totally honest, the first time yes. that, that conversation uh, was happening. And, and certainly he was open to that conversation at that point because of the amount of money that was involved and te- Texas's reputation. You don't just say no to the meeting, but, you know, whether that's flying out to uh, big games, enjoying being on television, taking a vacation to Napa whenever you want in the middle of the season, going to your house in Florida, you know, spending time with grandkids when that's possible. I mean, he's got a great gig right now, and he he's not motivated by all the same things that he was uh, in 2004, 2012, you know, 2016. He, he changed. Um, yeah, so yes. That, you know, that part of it just never really added up to me. Um, I, 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 he's happy. Like, that's, that's it. Absolutely. You know, but like you just said, somebody comes knocking at your door, I've got a bag of money here. It's got $10 million <laughs> minimum in it. Uh, you interested? Homina, 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 homina. It's like Bobby Rail, a um, good friend of mine now. One time I told him uh, somebody knocked on my door and uh, uh, one time and said, you know, he's interested in buying our property. We got four and a half acres, you know, in the middle. Of, you know, it was just spec, you know, and I told him about it. And I said, my wife and I said, no. And he goes, well, you got to at least listen to the offer. You know what I mean? You know, you may be able to buy a bigger and better place somewhere else. Of course, that's not usually the way those kind of things work. But right. you're exactly right. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I think he's very content uh, with what he's doing right now. By content, I mean, you know this, man, putting on that show, it, it, you know, the the kickoff, the weekend kickoff show there at the uh, uh, Urban Urban Myers Pint House in the 7-0 and room. Um, that means a lot to him. Yeah. And not only that, I mean, he wanted it to be done with quality, just like the 2012 flashback show we did. He yeah. was very much involved in making sure it wasn't just, you know, <laughs> slap around kind of situation, that it was that it was real and had some quality to it. And so he approaches anything like that. He's a – we all know him to be a quite serious individual. <laughs> he's one right? of the most – he's probably the most intense person that I've yes. ever met in my life. And that was – even just on the outside, like he's, he's shifted all of that now to being very good at television and he is awesome at it uh, yes. to, to taking on, you know, this opportunity and, and working with us uh, when, when the situation allows at Letterman row, he is extremely hands-on. His golf game has gotten much better. He's taken up tennis uh, and gotten pretty good at that as well. From my understanding, I haven't played against him there. I'd like to get out with him at Muirfield when they reopen the course and test test myself with him there but I mean he's he's got everything that he wants and the reason that certainly as you said if a bag of money is sitting there you ask what you need to get it but I think that the you know the return for him like he he's he has more money than he could ever spend like that's different than offering that to Billy Napier or you know maybe even not Matt Campbell but anybody else on the rise in that profession Urban has made his money and he's got his three title rings and he's got a legacy now to think about at Ohio State. And if he had gone to Texas, the first thing he would have to do 
is recruit Quinn Ewers and try and snatch him back away from Ohio State. Like, you instantly turn heel on the place where you have solidified your legacy. And I, he's aware of all those things. He used to downplay legacy where he fit in the national landscape for a long time. But he's now at it. When you're 45, maybe that's easier to do. When you're 58, that's much harder. And yeah. I, all those things played into it. And I just – I kind of was amused watching it all play out from, you know, some distance. Because it just didn't – none of the pieces fit together. Yeah, I was on an Austin American Statesman uh, podcast last week uh, talking about it, you know, and then and I and they asked me on my gut feel. I said my gut feel is that Tom Herman will still be the coach at Texas in 2021, and Urban Meyer won't be just because of what, everything you just said there. And uh, by the way, I want to in truth in advertising. He's 56, not 58. The Sorry. reason I, I know that is because he's 10 years younger than me. Gotcha. He's the first head coach I ever covered at Ohio State that was younger than me. <laughs> so uh, there you go. And of course, Ryan Day has kept up that trend. Although Larry Johnson. You know, he went the other way for me. So, for a minute there, I felt like a youngster all over again. And so did Larry Johnson. Real quick, let's touch on a couple things. Okay. I don't know how much we got to preview the game. You know, whether it happens or not, we still don't know uh, as we video this. But Ohio State's a 30-point favorite. That's apropos uh, based on this season. And even though it's maybe the largest in, in, in the history of the game for a favorite, it's not a surprise. I'm a little surprised it might not be higher. It was still shocking to me to see it uh, on Sunday, Tim. I mean, this you think of all the times that people have talked about this rivalry and you throw the records out and those old cliches that you're going to get the best battle, the best effort. That hasn't seemed to really matter the last couple of years. And Ryan Day has had no uh, – he had no problem last year running up the score as much as he possibly could. He would certainly, I think, do that again on Saturday if he gets the opportunity. And the huh. gap – Whatever, whatever Jim Harbaugh was trying to avoid in that conversation last year about the gap between these two programs, it's crystal clear when you watch them play. There is simply no comparison between those rosters and the buy-in from the players and the culture and all those. It's just – I know a lot of those things are hard to actually uh, define or quantify, but yep. Vegas did it, I think, pretty succinct, succinctly. They're at least 30 points better than Michigan on Saturday. They would – I get I, – I am pretty sure – I'd have to go back – Maryland is much more likely to give Ohio State a game. If that's oh, the yeah. situation that comes on Saturday, you know, that might be more useful for Ohio State in that college football playoff argument. I agree. You know, and by the way, if you want to know in a nutshell uh, what what's wrong with Michigan on the field, just get the videos of the Michigan State game when Michigan State beat them and the video of the Indiana game when Indiana game beat them. Just play those real rapid fire through and just watch the difference between those two teams not only those two teams, but it looks like even the approach, the attitude, whatever you want to call it, you know, they're like I was, I was talking with the with John Bacon. I said, you know, you can't spell malaise without the M, you know, and uh, and I thought that was a good good comment. But the point is, malaise blue, yeah, there is something, yeah, the malaise and blue. There you go. Hey, I like man, the malaise and blues. <laughs> man, we got it going here. Awesome. We're gonna just end on that. But just real quick, yeah. before we go, a comment on this. Uh, Justin Fields was the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. Mm -hmm. My opinion, uh, obviously, Drew Christman was, a, was the co – I don't know who the other co-special teams player was, but, oh, my goodness, did he flip the field oh. like he did two years ago at Michigan State. Yeah. My, he ought to, that, those ought to be his two videos for the uh, NFL scouts when they come calling because, oh, my goodness. But uh, 
back to uh, Justin Fields in a heartbeat. Um, what? Yes, wasn't his greatest day in, of total offense, but over 303 yards of total offense in 35, 36-degree weather. Past that, the leadership he showed, the guts he showed in terms of just, you know what, I'm running the ball today, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to win this game. We've got 13 – well, we got three – Three starters missing on the offensive line because of COVID-19. We're missing our leader on defense, Tough Borland, and we said Josh Proctor and some other key guys. Uh, I'm, I'm going to play shortstop as a quarterback the first half while Harry Miller figures out where I'm standing, you know, with his snaps. And Harry Miller did an admirable job. Yeah. He would like to have about 12 snaps back, I think. But the point is just the way Justin Fields, just no doubt about it, was going to win – Ohio State was going to win that game on Saturday, spoke volumes. Agreed? Yeah, and I I think, you know, your point that you said this, you thought that was probably the best in his career. Um, it's – to me, it's – I'm just a, talking about the leadership. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, absolutely. I'm, I was trying to – to me, it's a, a debate between the way he played on Ann Arbor last year when he was clearly hurt because the throw that I will never, ever forget, no matter what happens for the next uh, – potentially four games in his career at Ohio State. The, yeah. the coming off the bench, the throw, the Garrett Wilson touchdown, uh, yeah. to really put that game away is the one that I know I will uh, never forget him doing. Um, and it's kind of weird that a lot of plays in that, you know, Michigan State game will stand in my mind too, you know, sticking a foot out to stop one snap and running around and then still getting a first down. Uh, he did things on Saturday that I believe strongly only he can do. Um, and – he needed to run. He needed to, you know, flash those shortstop skills and, and really bail Ohio State out when it was all on his athleticism. So it's the two sort of adverse situations. The knee injury a year ago, and that I know that that game will stand out forever. Um, and then this one, which was just because it, a little bit of a recency bias, but the deck was so stacked against it, it'll be hard to forget all the things that he gave Ohio State in that game when things could have easily gone wrong. You know, even when some snaps were good, they were a little off kilter with blocking schemes or the zone read. He couldn't get the handoff right. And then he would just run for, you know, 25 yards. Like, it was remarkable what he did. Yeah. And uh, basically whatever it took was the motto. And speaking of that, before we go, Larry Johnson, one of our favorite people, like I said, to deal with and stuff. And and even it wasn't lost on Gene Smith, obviously. You know, the first African-American athletic director at Ohio State. You know, and he's in – He's in charge when the first African-American acting head coach uh, uh, gets a win at Ohio State. It was a milestone moment, right, for the program and maybe for the school in, in particular. Yeah, uh, without question. And, you know, another tribute to the next man up uh, mantra um, that the coaching staff had to do that. And it wasn't something that he could do by himself because taking out, you know, those coaches that they did with Greg Madison, yeah. not available, Matt Barnes. Corey Dennis. I mean, think about that for Justin Fields. It's also to your previous point, Tim, that you, yeah. you did not have Ryan Day and Corey Dennis working with the quarterback. You know, Kevin Wilson, we know what he can do as an offensive play caller, but that was out of out of kilter. Um, you had, you know, Keenan Bailey, who's, I mean, I, I, I don't know why he's not a full-time coach yet somewhere, but it's to Ohio State's benefit because he's one of the best quality control coaches that you're ever going to find, a future star in this profession. Like Justin Fields had to take on a lot of leadership in some ways a little bit of coaching with a lot of young guys um but that's I thought the most fitting part to your actual question about Larry Johnson was that those defensive linemen and Haskell Garrett made such an important play in the win it was it was fitting because it was some of the textbook 
some of the lessons that I've learned, you know, I've had a couple opportunities to sit and watch film with Larry Johnson and Chase Young or uh, Larry Johnson and, and Nick Bosa. And there it's basically five things, those four tools for rushing the passer and then matching the hand. It sounds so simple, but yeah, that produced a touchdown and a, a defensive lineman getting an interception on a basic technique that Larry Johnson has taught for his entire career, um, you know, to make a little bit of history that way. It, it was so, so fitting. Like you can, that's why Ryan Day is sitting there saying he had a tear in his eye. I mean, that's, that's what Ohio state is all about. That's what Larry Johnson's all about. Uh, it was, that was truly a special moment. Yeah. Ohio state football under urban Meyer. And, and it was this way under Jim Trussell too, but I'm talking about, especially the urban Meyer and now Ryan day, uh, episode or to get uh era is thoroughness and toughness and togetherness i mean that's kind of you know that's not their mantra that's what i'm just observing and boy was it ever on display at east lansing in a game that could you know they were coming up michigan state was coming off a a big huge upset of northwestern you you can laugh at that northwestern's a representative from the west that ohio state hopes to play in two weeks in indianapolis for the championship but uh, the thoroughness, the toughness, and the togetherness that that program showed, talking about Ohio State, uh, will never be lost on me, man. It's one of the great moments that I've covered and then, yeah, uh, in Ohio State history. And I'm, I was just uh, – you know, you guys were up there, and uh, you're, you're about as close to the action as I was. I was sitting at home watching it on television. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but just knowing all the ingredients, all the components of that, and to see it come together, it should touch you if you're an Ohio State football fan. But with that said, I know you've got to get going awesome. and. Uh, you know, Especially I want folks we're to have to be understand. back for another podcast later this week. I was going to say, I want people to understand that if things change about the game, if there's not a the game, uh, the first time since 1918, and they played, that was the first time the big run started. It was 1918, which, by the way, started with an up with a pandemic going on. The Spanish flu would be interesting if if this run ended uh, during a pandemic, but we'll see yeah. if that happens. But I want to promise you, folks, if in fact that does happen. Awesome, and I will be back uh, with a, with another podcast because I don't want to just leave that sitting there like stale bread all week. And uh, a lot of you folks will get a BOGO, buy one, get one uh, in this one. But in, until next time and possibly until later this week, this is Tim May for Awesome Ward. We'll see you then. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.